Hello and welcome to What's the Worst That Can Happen, the Eurovision podcast that aims to delve into the competition and shine a light on the quirky side of the contest. Today I'm joined by co-host Alex Ward. Good afternoon. And our guest today is that Eurovision podcast host, Rory. Hello, how are we doing? I'm doing too, not doing too bad today, how are you doing? Ah, I'm not too bad, just trying to shelter in from all the rain that we're getting at the moment here, so I'm just like, happy to talk about what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> You know, it's not too bad here, actually. I'm, I'm surprised. It was really heavy rain yesterday, but it's dried up a bit, which, coming from the, the sunniest city in Scotland, is it's gone by its reputation there. So, oh. um, no, so with that, let's take it away. 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 Today, we're going to be looking at 2016. Sweden were the hosts of 2016 after Mons Simerlo won in Austria with the song Heroes. 42 countries participated with Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, Bulgaria, Croatia and Ukraine returning after recent absences from the recent contest. Portugal and Romania did not enter though. Um, this year saw Jamala win for Ukraine and Australia come in second place. So guys, what are some of our favourites from that year? Do you want to start us off, Alex? My favourite from that year was actually France. Um, Amir with uh, the Chercher. I'm not particularly a good French speaker, so I know I have got that uh, wrong in my pronunciation. But I, I really enjoyed the French song. I think it came fifth, if I remember rightly. But what was so good about it, not only was it a great song, it's what a, a massive turnaround for. France in Eurovision. Much like the UK, throughout the 2000s and 2010s, the majority of our both of our times there, yes, we're big five, but it doesn't mean we send big songs or decent performances. And we very rarely made it onto the left-hand side of the scoreboard, whereas France changed up the way they um, did it and oh no sorry they came sixth and yet they came sixth um they new delegate head of delegation brilliant song brilliant artist brilliantly performed and uh, so yeah my favorite for that year is french song nice mm -hmm. uh, good choice yeah it's a good choice um i think i have that as an honorable mention um let me check no i don't i should have had that as an honorable mention though um, it is a great song. Uh, for me, my favorite, or one of my favorites, I've got my top five here um, in no particular order, is Sound of Silence by Australia, uh, Dami M. Uh, I thought for, I think it was their second year in the competition, to come second was an incredible achievement for them. Uh, the song was just so powerful. Um, like, I think the live performance was much more powerful than the studio edit or the, like, the... Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, so I think... And also it came first in its semi-final ahead of Ukraine. Um, so it was interesting to see it fall down to second place. I don't know if maybe it was Ukraine being more of a grower for, for fans. It could just um, be the, the uh, countries that were voting in that particular... Um, semi-final semi-final yeah yeah because yeah. i was thinking like um because obviously with the second semi-final there was only like 20 21 countries that were actually like voting so once you factored in 
a lot of the countries that were in the first semi-final, which were more so sort of Eastern Bloc, I guess if you could call it. That's because like you had, you know, Czech Republic, you had Moldova, you had uh, Azerbaijan and Armenia, etc. So they were going to be more likely to vote for Ukraine mm-hmm. instead of Australia. So it's kind of interesting to see like like the dissonance between the two. So I, th- yeah. I think it's a really interesting thing. But yeah, so like my personal favorites now, um, <laughs> I guess it kind of comes as no surprise if you've ever listened to to my podcast, I do ramble on about it a bit. Um, it's Jamala, obviously 1944. Um, for me, like that song is sort of the exact sort of what I would usually listen to in and outside of a Eurovision context. It has such a great um, mixture of like, emotion in the lyrics and then emotion in the music and there's something about like the style of music that it has as well like like the kind of breakbeat jazz style and then in the inclusion of like um mugam which is the sort of style of singing that she does in that sort of moment you know where the where the music kind of quietens down a bit um mm. so that's like a traditional sort of crimean tatar thing it's i guess it's a, it's a very turkic thing i guess um which kind of shows her heritage um but i i love that song so much it's it's actually my most listened to song ever on spotify so i guess it kind of <laughs> makes a little bit of sense but um as well as that, i i do have to give a couple of honorable mentions to czech republic gabriela gunchikova i stand i think you know it's such a good song and i'm so happy that this was the year that czech republic finally made it into the final even though you know the public had to completely rob her of any form of like points in the final like what is up Europe I mean questionable taste I think so but um yeah there were there were so many good songs in 2016 um but for me I was so happy when Ukraine won so I was ready to go to Kiev again so let's hope we go back again sometime soon (laughs) especially for like the cheap factor isn't it (laughs) oh yeah I mean uh I follow um the lovely people over at ESC Extra and uh, during the sort of week of rehearsals etc they have like a live stream and in that live stream they would say like they would like praise how cheap everything was so like you could get like a sandwich a coffee and some other couple of things you could get for about the equivalent of about five pound or so which is like amazing so you know, I'm totally down to go for a cheap Eurovision again. Let's go back to Ukraine. I'm fine with that. Forget about all their troubles. Let's bring it back to Ukraine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Alex, did you have any like another um, one of your tops? So my second place was Australia, uh, as you mentioned. The performance by Damien was brilliant. Um, I still don't understand how she got off the box. But, you know, that's a story for another time. My thoughts on Ukraine, I actually, at the time, I didn't necessarily like the song. But it's one that's actually aged quite well. Uh, I, I listen to it a lot more now than I ever did at the time. It's, it is on my um, my playlist of Eurovision favourites. But moving from Ukraine, my next favourite is Next Door in Russia. And Ooh. I... We at this podcast have much to talk about whenever Russia do anything with Eurovision. Uh, the very first episode, I think, is one that's very interesting. If you are a Russia fan, um, you'll hear some interesting 
viewpoints from one of our guests. But this was a brilliant song. It was well sung. The staging was incredible. The, a lot of people at the time did say, well, all he's doing is copying uh, Mons from the year before, but he took it to another level. And, you know, I, I believe uh, Sergei Lazarev won the popular vote, but particularly didn't do very well with the juries. And to be fair, it was just the sort of thing that is so eye-catching when you're watching it. Mm. Mm. I think um, with with Sergei, it was definitely um, like the re. I think part of the reason why Sergei sort of did so well with the popular vote, but then did so badly with the jury vote, was because obviously, sort of the viewing public, they they would have never seen something like this until like the actual night of the semi final or the final. So you know, we had sort of kind of gotten conditioned to it and sort of gotten used to it. So comparing that to say Joe Bloggs from down the road, who was never seen something like that before, it was of course it was going to be so eye catching, like how you'd said. Um, I think though the reason why it did so poorly with the juries, I, I well we say poorly, but I think it was about fifth or sixth in the juries. I correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I think part of it was the fact that they were able to sort of look past the staging and sort of focus more on the like either the commercial availability or the like singing style and like not like Sergei did do a very good job into delivering the performance but you know I feel like juries are very um perceptive for sort of looking past the staging and actually looking at like vocal ability and I think that's part yeah. of the reason why um maybe some some countries didn't like it as much as others <laughs> yeah uh, for me, I, I don't have, let me see, let me see. No, I don't have Russia in there. Um, but what I do have is Bulgaria of Love Was a Crime. Oh, that's my, Good that's choice. my next one. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I want to, to use the Jamala gif of her clap for applauding after asking Marov if Crimea is Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> go <laughs> um yeah i think the song is great um it's the staging the song itself her performance just sort of blows it away um one of my favorite eurovision songs of all time uh well one that i can listen to a lot more than some other ones um Shame. And I, like like <laughs> <laughs> Controversial, Nancy. Mm, controversial. I'll just we'll, we we try not to be too controversial. This podcast. That's that's a lie. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, what what's your thoughts on Bulgaria, uh, Rory? Oh, I really liked Bulgaria. Um, I thought you know I I was in Dusseldorf when um, Polly was first representing Bulgaria with with Nai Nat, and the the way that she didn't qualify in twenty eleven still like bugs me to this day. So I was so happy to see her sort of come back after hosting Junior Eurovision in and in 2015. And I was so happy to see her come back and actually like get the redemption that she needed. And like mm-hmm. it was such it's such a good song. And it's like it's kind of one of those songs that you could kind of transcend uh, like the mm-hmm. Eurovision context. And so you could actually have um, like you could hear it say more in 
sort of contemporary mainstream charts, which I think is always a good sign for Eurovision. And, you know, the staging was fantastic. I loved the outfit that she had. I still don't really understand why she had like a, an arrow for like an earring. I think that was a bit of a strange choice. But um, honestly, I think they did very well. And I think ha- after having those two years of uh, like withdrawing and not really taking part in the adult contest, I think it gave the delegation a lot of time to sort of refocus what their priorities were in terms of like how they approach the contest so mm-hmm. when they sort of selected Polly and they came out with If Love Was A Crime and it, like everything was really well thought out and I think it was it was a really good song and I was so happy that it came forth uh, I just hope that Polly can come back again sometime soon and then she can you know improve on that further and hopefully we can go to Sophia at some time because I'm totally down for that yeah, I know uh, Bulgaria have really been pushing to to win. Um, so fingers crossed for them at some point that they we can get another cheap Eurovision, and get Bulgaria their first win. Yeah, definitely. Um, Alex, what was your you you said you have Bulgaria in your third spot? Uh, for me, Bulgaria was fourth. Um, fourth in fourth. in Bulgaria's defence for their outfit and the, the weird um arrow thing. Uh, oh, I can't remember the word you just said. Earring. Arrow. Earrings, that's it. Um, I forgot the word earrings. That's embarrassing. Compared to some of the other outfits on the stage that day, she wasn't that bad. Um, I talk, let's, later on, we'll talk about some of that. But my, my fifth favourite, I've actually put Austria. And just before we were starting, Bradley said, I think every song in the final had a little bit of English in. Well, actually, Austria was the only song that didn't include any English, but also they didn't include any German either. It was entirely in French. Um, mm. And I, I really enjoyed Austria. I, I, It's one of the ones I've kept on my Eurovision favourites playlist all the time there are some songs that go in and then i get bored listening to so i get them out again but the majority of 2016 has stayed on for me and austria i i really like zoe mm. Mm. yeah it's interesting that they chose to sing in french well and, they and- won in the 60s with Jürgen something whose name I can never remember. Udo Jürgen. Udo Jürgen. Um, and he did his song in French. So there's a precedent there for Austria. But um, yeah, it was. I, I really enjoyed that song. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Rory, did, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying that um, it, like Austria, Austria wasn't necessarily one of my favourites that year, but I, I did like how everyone just sort of got behind Zoe. So when uh, Austria qualified in semi-final one, there was just like a big eruption of like euphoria and everything. It was like, oh my God, wow, this really had the potential to like win almost, it felt like. And sorry, you said that uh, Austria wasn't in your... Yeah, no. Your chart works, but... No, um, so... Uh, I probably would have also had to include um, Armenia, Iveta Mukuchan and, and Love Wave. Now, um, since the contest, I do think that maybe some 
some little parts of the staging could have been tweaked just a little bit better. But um, I think going into the contest, it was like definitely one of the standout songs, especially in semi-final one, which was such a sort of change, you know, and like it was such a strong semi-final. I think it had to um, do a do a lot in order to qualify. And I think it did everything right. And um, yeah, I, I do. Um, I did really enjoy it. I thought like, you know, there was like a lot of sensuality and, you know, Yvette is a, a lovely person anyway. She has a good sense of humor and, you know, that's exactly what we'd need in a Eurovision contestant. Someone who doesn't take themselves too seriously. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'd, I'd also maybe have to give a little shout out to um, Greece and Argo and Utopian Land because I know it's a very controversial take, but um, I do think it was a quite representative of what Greece is in terms of like, you know, the incorporation of Greek uh, instruments and singing in Pontic Greek, which is like an old Greek dialect as well. So it's kind of incorporating like a sense of history. And then it was also talking about, um, it, it sounded as if it was to do with like the economic crisis that was going on in Greece at the time. So like you could tell that it was just sort of some sense of, representation really and I just really um enjoyed that song and the way that it also came last I thought so sad and that was Greece's first time missing out on the final as well so it kind of didn't feel right not having Greece in a final now so maybe we're just getting a bit more accustomed to it now that you know Jana Terzi two years later again completely robbed but time and a place <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing that I, I should have done is go into the semi-finals and find some classics that I or bangers that I normally wouldn't hear, um, because my like I said to you before the podcast started, my memory is not great, and I'm doing this from memory, so I can't really remember much from the semi-final, um, which is a shame because there are some good songs in there. I mean, that, that didn't make it. We had yeah. we had the return of Calliope. I mean, that's saying it. Yeah, for me, the two um, that I I still listen to from the semi-finals are, of course, Sir Hat, the legend that is. That was his first appearance, and who would know? You know, years later, that he would try again and become the legend that he is now. But um, he didn't know exactly. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just everything, just that sort of hat he was wearing in in the his performance in twenty sixteen. Everything about him just oozed cool. He was the coolest person on that stage, and you knew it. And also the second semi final, Nikki Byrne uh, with "Sunlight for Ireland." I quite liked that song, even though when you listen to the lyrics, they're quite dodgy. <laughs> just. Touch who you want to kiss who you've got to. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Questionable maybe, lyrics. Maybe ask first, but okay. Yeah. This is the precursor to Lake Malawi, though, so it's fine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, going up, back onto, on topic, um, my third spot is Say Yay. From Spain, I like that song. Oh, I didn't. Uh, oh, you didn't like it? <laughs> no, no. 
what what do you not like about it? Uh, it to me, I, I see. To me, it was a little bit sort of overhyped, and I just I, oh, I agree with you there. I yeah. I vividly remember um, in the run up, sort of in, in the run up to the rehearsal week, everyone was saying, "Oh my god, it's going to win! It's going to win! I can't <laughs> believe it! You know, we're going. Spain's finally going to win again," and. To be fair, it was a big risk because this was the first time that Spain was sending a song that was entirely in English. There was no Spanish to be heard in it at all. So, of course, there was going to be a sense of, oh, wow, they really are trying something new. And I don't know. I, there, there was just something about it that just it really just turned me off. But then there was a, I had a favorite that was in the national selection that didn't make it. So maybe it could have just been a bit of bitterness on bit my bitterness. end. <laughs> but um, but. Uh, honestly like I, I think she did do a very good job on the night I still didn't like the whole oh no she fell it, like is she okay like that kind of gag it didn't really do <laughs> yeah. much in its favor no I, I I do agree with quite a lot of what you've said there I I enjoy the song itself though um I think it's just a fun song I didn't think it was gonna win um and I sort of don't buy into the whole hype train around it. Um, that's Spain every year, though. That's <laughs> Spain every year. Yeah. No, that's what I, th- I think we've said it all before in this podcast. With the Spanish songs, every year Spain obsess about their song, hype it up, do everything to promote their song, and then they're almost offended that Europe doesn't get it. How, how do you not get our song? It's two people in love on stage. It's a house party. It's whatever. And then obviously all of Europe just go, yeah. And that, and repeat next year. And I will actually say in defense of this song, it is a fun song. But if you look at some of the stuff they had sent in the years surrounding um, 2016, it's one of their better ones. Mm hmm. Which isn't very hard when it comes to <clears throat> Spain. Oh, absolutely! You know, it is. <laughs> yeah, Navarro is shaking. It's <laughs> yeah. You cannot. If you had to rank them, how many of them are a ten out of ten? Not many. But then we say that coming from the UK. Um, well, well, so yes. It's, we're it's allowed... from a place of love, Spain. We're allowed to say this. We're <laughs> allowed to criticize. We want everyone to do well because we want ourselves to do well. We know what it's like to just send average talents and expect them to win. Greatness. Yeah. <laughs> um, another one, just to, to keep it about me now, um, another one of my favorites was No Degree of Separation from Italy. Oh, I couldn't um, stand that song. It wouldn't be a Bradley top five without Italy in there, so... I had to include them. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was an okay song. I think it was better totally in Italian. I do think that the kind of English did ruin it a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, they had good ideas. It's just a shame that they didn't translate properly on stage because Francesca's a lovely woman, and I hope she does come back with something a little bit more palatable. I guess is the right way of saying it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do agree that it should have been entirely in Italian. Um, the English didn't do much for it. Um, the it was one of Italy's poor performances, actually, um, since they returned. 
um, because he only finished 16th, which is for if the UK finished 16th, I would be happy with that. But for Italy, you know, no less than second. Is this is this like where we find out that um, Bradley just wants to live, like just wants to have the Eurovision consistently in Italy, just win every single year? <laughs> it's like Italia Ganador. <laughs> yes, yeah, that that is. You've uncovered me. Oh no, you've been ruffled. I've been ruffled. Oh dear, but uh, I did I did like um, Francesca. I think it was I think like they had a lot of good ideas. The the staging was a little bit messy. Like at the end when she just decides to pick up a potato, I was a bit like, "Okay, right, what what is this?" <laughs> I think I think that is why I didn't like the song. It was just so distracting, the staging, and I think having it all in Italian would make it somewhat more appealing. A little bit of um, mystery mystery about it because obviously international audience. Not everyone speaks Italian, and sometimes when countries sing in their their own language, they, it does create this sort of wonder about the song, so that you have to look at what's going on on stage to piece it together if you don't understand the language. And yeah, I, I just didn't like that song. Uh, moving on to that is the the only thing I wrote about it was bad staging, and I wrote exactly the same for Germany. Oh, oh yeah, oh. yeah, I see that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that. I, that's the only thing I put next to them is Italy and Germany bad staging. Yeah, it like it was a like there was again there was potential there, especially coming from Jamie Lee Kravitz, who was the most recent winner of The Voice, and I think. Like the first song that was in English as well, like surely you should be able to sort of match the story uh, in the song with the story that's going on on stage. But you could just tell that there was such a disconnect with like what was what we were being shown and what we were listening to. Like, fair enough. Like if she's into kawaii stuff, then fair dues to her. But how does that translate onto you know what what we're seeing? And I think that's part of the reason why it got only like 10 points or so from the public and only one point from the jury from Georgia as well so I don't know though the, it was it was the best of a bad bunch definitely within the national selection but it's just a shame that they completely just ruined it by the time they got to Stockholm mm. yeah uh, wait sorry I completely zoned out for a minute there um, I my concentration is really bad I was looking at um Leslie Roy retweeting your Eurovision podcast. Did she? Uh, tweet. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I did not see that. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah, sorry. So I was. A little, we were talking about Germany, right? Yes. Yeah. No. I I do agree with quite a bit of what you said there. Um. That's. I keep. I need to find a way to to say that without saying I completely agree with you because that's literally my catchphrase. I'm gonna buy so, you a thesaurus. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm all. It's almost like Alora from yeah. Oh yeah. Where I've lost my train of thought just because I'm all over the place. Yeah. Um. What were some of the rest of your um sort of top five? I really liked Belgium, where 
the way that it just started the show, obviously it's a very difficult thing to always go first, but that was a very good song to open up. Yeah, because you want something to kind of get the show going and something that's like kind of infectious. And I think that sort of song definitely worked well. And it's so strange as well, because in the run up to the contest, everyone hated Belgium. Everyone thought it was like not going to qualify. Everyone thought it was going to tank. And then we saw the staging. We saw that she was closing the, the second semifinal. And then all of a sudden, like it came third in the in the second semifinal and then it ended up in 10th place if i remember correctly yeah mm-hmm. so like it's so strange to see like the change but it was such a i think they the way they staged it the way that they managed to get the crowd involved i think it was so good and also shout out to jamala for um still remembering the song about 6 months after she won because uh there's like an interview that they they, they did with Jamala uh, on Eurovision.tv in in the run up to Eurovision 2017 because obviously that had just been when Kiev was announced and uh, there, there's a one little part when um, she would like she was asked oh what like have you stayed in touch with anyone from the um, from the show and she said unfortunately not because we were like con- concentrating too much on our own performances. Uh, but I did really love the song, like the from the Belgian song, and she was like, da, 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 da. like she's like obviously she can sing properly, but um, it I just showed that like everyone got involved in it, especially like the winner. So I think it should have done a lot better than it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Belgium, I I would have had it in my my sort of top five. Um, I don't know why I didn't. Um, personally, I need to have a word with myself. Um, but yeah, it is a it's a good song, and it really I do think it should have done better than it did. Although tenth is pretty good. Um, but there were some songs above it that I thought were less deserving of being there than Belgium. But I won't go into that. Oh, oh, controversial. Go on, go on, Bradley. Go on, Delvin. Uh, okay, uh, Poland? Agreed. Yeah, true. Oh, agreed. Definitely. Definitely. Um, that's about it. Oh. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the only one I want to get off my chest. <laughs> I would agree with Poland, and I'd raise Lithuania as well. Yeah. Oh, that's... yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe Sweden. Well, Sweden couldn't not be there. It was the whole country. Sweden as an honourable mention. So I know, but... yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, have okay, to be that's there. right then. For me, um, Belgium, Netherlands, and Malta, as well as Israel, should have been higher up. And if you just scooch Poland and Lithuania down, I feel like that would have been a natural balance for the sort of quality what's there. Mm. Mm. Remember when Hobie Star got hacked? <laughs> yes. I do not remember that. Do <laughs> tell was- the story. This was recent, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it's quite recent. Yeah, so um, somehow Hobie Star's sort of Twitter account got hacked, and it was—I don't know who—we don't know who did it per se, but um, he tweeted saying, "You know who I absolutely hate? The Eurovision fandom." And th- like then, all of the Eurovision sort of websites then proceeded to make articles, etc., about it, and. Um, then when he got his 
account back. He threatened to sue every single website that had posted an article about it. It's just so strange. <laughs> well, he posted that and then he was like, oh, I've been hacked. And then apparently, okay, I can't say that whether or not he was hacked or if it was him. We would neither but, confirm nor deny yeah. these allegations. <laughs> I can't confirm nor deny that. It's fine, Bradley. But... When you go and edit this podcast, you could just slip in the word allegedly. If you just record <laughs> <Yeah>. yourself. Every <laughs> time someone says the word hacked, just slide me and go, allegedly. 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 In my best BBC Radio 4 voice. <laughs> um, yeah. So to make it look more like they had been hacked, they posted photos of Bob um, De- DeVoe Bob. De- I can't even speak. Bob, his name is da- Dow Bob. Dow Bob. Dow Bob. That's not a name. Why is that? <laughs> yeah. It's his expression. He's Dow. Yeah. Dow Bob. Dow Bob. Skippy. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> so they posted photos of him shirtless to be like, oh, I love, I love uh, Dow Bob. And it's because they actually hate each other. Oh, yeah. That was, that was some real Euro drama. And- yeah. So, and it, he was like, why would I do this if I hadn't been hacked? And you're like, yeah, well, maybe you're trying to make yourself look hacked. But yeah. So that was a whole big thing in the, the fandom, like maybe a few months ago. Yeah, or maybe it was, it was pretty recent for sure. But mm-hmm. it's so funny sort of looking back on like it because um, obviously Star and like it was Star that kind of cast the first stone, I guess you could say, because um, people asked, "Oh, who were your some of your favorites?" And then Star's first thing was to say, "I don't know. I know who I don't like, and it's it's Dower Bob." And since that, like Dower Bob didn't say like didn't do anything. It was literally Star that just kept saying stuff, and it was a bit like, "Geez, where is this all coming from?" But I have a theory. He's brought it up, and he just couldn't stop talking about it. That's it. You're down a rabbit hole at that point. <laughs> Dig up. Get yourself out of the hole by digging up. Dig up the way. Dow Bob rejected Hovi Star's advances, and that's why Hovi Star doesn't like him. Now, are we planting seeds here? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, seeds have been planted. That would be an interesting uh, thing. If you're Helby Star or Dow Bob, please do get in touch because I'd love to know what this if that is actually true or not. <laughs> if you would like to come on the podcast, Dow Bob, I will promise to say your name right. Um, yeah, so, or Helby Star, if you want to, you know. But you seem like a bit of a devil's uh, advocate, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, if you want to both come on and we can do some sort of Jerry Springer-esque. Oh, ep- Jeremy Kyle. We're getting light yeah, detector yeah. tests up in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm here for it. I'll be first in, like, I will be in the front row ready for, like, seeing, like, fisticuffs. I'm ready for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, to try and get back onto topic, um, because it's something we always do is just go wildly off topic. Um, I also have Ukraine in my top five um, because, you know, you can't not have the winner in there unless it's... I can. Well, f- fuck you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're going to have to put that little E on the Spotify track again. 
<laughs> yeah. We're not for kids, this podcast. Mm. No. Well, at least you have taste, so I'm totally down for it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, someone, someone appreciates me, Alex. I appreciate you. You know, you do all this hard work for us, and as, as we found out, people do listen to us, which is nice. Um, I would like to just mention the greatest thing about 2016, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Linda Woodruff. Oh, yes. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I'm from the European Broadcasting Union. <laughs> that was a really good impression. Well, she I think her mum is English. Or her, one of her parents is English, so she she's really good at <laughs> doing her sort of middle management nonsense talk. Azurjaban. I, I can never call the country its actual name now. It's always Azurjaban. Azurjaban. Tipaku, tipaku. Tipaku. I know everyone always talks about love, love, peace, peace, which I'm sure we will do later on, but I absolutely love uh, Sarah Dornfeiner. Yeah, she's a lovely, lovely woman. And she's like, the way she's able to sort of um, take the mickey out of herself, I think she does so well for it. I do hope that sometimes she either comes to actual Eurovision either as like a competitor or a presenter because like yeah. she she does so well when she hosts Melody Festival and so it's only fair that she gets a crack at the whip of the when actual she, show. When she um was dressed as Netta performing Toy in that medley of all the Israeli winners at Med- Melody Festival and that was just joyous to watch. It was amazing, honestly. Oh, you I have think to stand Sarah Don Finer here. What she does well is a, a lot of people um, look at Eurovision and take the mick out of it from the outside, and they laugh at it. And I know I, I bring this up all the time on this podcast, but the way she does it is she's laughing with it as almost like an inside joke, and she gets the sense of humour and gets what Eurovision is about because she's a fan. And I think that's what really works well as. Um, Obviously, when she does Sarah, uh, Linda Woodruff as a character and her presenting style. I do remember in, um, I know this is a bit of a diversion from from the, from the 2016, but uh, Linda Woodruff in 2013, when they did the the sort of the series in the midst of like the first semifinal, second semifinal and, and the final, when... Um, they go up to the ice hotel in in the city in the town. It's called uh, Yukasjervi, but obviously because Linda Woodruff can't pronounce things, she says Jackus Jave. Yeah, Jackus Jave. <laughs> Honestly, Sarah Don Finer, amazing. But um, I do also really like. Um, I did like the sort of man versus machine. I think that was an interesting kind of interval act as well in 2016. I know it was kind of squished into the second semi-final, but there w- it was kind of like an interesting kind of dissonance, I guess, between like people and, and robots and stuff. And I do think um, they had to include stuff to do with, obviously at the time there was a, the big refugee crisis. And so when they had that sort of moving piece, as well to do with sort of refugee mm. children and I think yeah. that was a very that was a very like strong impacting moment you know which I'm sure the, probably the BBC decided to cover with some uh, video of uh, Mel Gedroich just trying Swedish meatballs or something along those lines because that's <laughs> what the BBC tends to do um, but yeah 
We will have no BBC hit on this podcast. Mm, maybe on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I mean, I think we've had plenty of BBC hit on this podcast. Oh, I know. Then. We're 40 minutes in. We've not. We've only mentioned Joe and Jake once. That's it. We've done talking about it. We, you know, just me saying it then. It's enough. That's it. Yeah. Uh, see, I really like Joe and Jake. They were like, um, they were just out of side of my top five actually, because um, I thought they were the best out of the whole sort of lineup from Eurovision. You decide, because I would have not wanted Carl William Lund. I'd just get him as far away from Eurovision as possible, please. Um, but. Joe and Jake, I thought they did really well. I just don't really understand why it tanked so badly because that that's kind of music is more kind of what you'd hear on, say, like, you know, Radio 1 sort of charts. Now, not top 40 charts, maybe like 40 to 80 or so. No, number 89. Yeah. <laughs> but it with it, it's something. just really forgettable. Yeah, you're not alone with that one, though. You're not alone. I see what you did. Thank you. <laughs> um... Yeah, so we'll go back to talking about the interval acts. Now, you mentioned it earlier, Love, Love, Peace, Peace, Alex. That has gone down as one of the most iconic Eurovision interval acts. Yeah. I feel like that has now, for most recent years, it set a bar. And if you can even get close to Love, Love, Peace, Peace as an interval piece, um, you've got a good... Eurovision. I feel mm. I don't know if anyone has matched it since. Um, I did enjoy the Switch song from 2019, but if you can get something close to that, you've done well. Yeah, I I, I see it um, as almost like a like a love letter to Eurovision because yeah. obviously Eurovision has got so much like so diverse in terms of like staging and like songs and stuff since like the first ever contest so it's so lovely to sort of see like the growth of the show in terms of like this sort of song that's so kitsch and like it's so twee but like you just can't help but like sing along because Mm. that's if you if you didn't then you just wouldn't be able to have a good time you know plus as well who doesn't love a gyrating monselma love just saying well, yeah. <laughs> we we appreciate a gyrating Mon Zemmerlove on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> he's basically British now, as we saw in um, Europe. Shine a light. He just lives in a middle class suburban house on the edge of London. He's great. Right. Okay. We can't just go. I know it's a British thing to do, Alex, but you can't just go claiming things for your own. I can. I just did. He just did. <laughs> he lives on Privet okay. Drive now. <laughs> Sticking with the name of the podcast, what was the worst thing that happened during 2016? Oh, interesting question. Um, from like including semi-finals, is it? Or yeah, it can be anything you want. God, um, can Ivan being naked count? from Belarus yeah but it wasn't and it's only the worst thing because it wasn't real (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes because I would have killed to see some wolves on stage but damn you EBU yeah yes damn EBU for not allowing animals on stage yeah 
It's discriminatory against animals. You are animalist. We are going to sue for like defamation. <laughs> Say, there's enough bears and otters in the audience. Why can't you let a wolf on stage? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry, it, I had to say it. Had it, to, it had to be yeah. done. So my first moment is a bit niche, but okay. I would just like to ask you two a question. Does any country from North America compete in Eurovision? Mm, not anymore. So why does Poland spell the word colour without a U? Uh-uh. <laughs> Oh, no, honestly, when I saw that, I was like, get away. I bet, it, yeah. but, but the thing is, I bet though, Michael Spack used Google Translate, you know? Mm-hmm. Or that is, yeah, it, that is my biggest bugbear. Apart from the fact that he went from last to like seventh on the amount of points that he got from, you know, the telephone vote, the new voting system for that year. No, just colour. It's got you in it. And the fact that it's spelt massively behind him on the screen, colour. And because you can forgive if he's just saying it and that's the title of his song, you can imagine to spell it however you want. But no, they give us a visual interpretation of his spelling of yeah. the song. What colour is your life? My, I don't know, but whatever colour it is, it has a U in it. And this has been the niche references by Alex Ward podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Well, if you listen to all everything I say, I bring up niche things like when you see a cameraman's reflection in something or whatever. But that's very true. That's very I, it true. was I was tempted between that or just Justin Timberlake appearing at halftime. That I, was purely just for like promoting trolls, and we know that. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely was because I you're, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily like it when they get someone in that's not really relating to the contest at all just as an international figure if they get someone in from their own country who is big to perform fine i will forgive ireland giving us westlife i will forgive that oh, or no, boyzone I, I can't even remember which one it was was it westlife or boyzone either of them they're all disgusting okay because <laughs> i know what two of them tour to now. That, Rory. i know two of them now tour under the name boys life which is just <laughs> But um, <laughs> I feel like this set a precedent to allow Madonna, so that's why I also put Justin Timberlake in. For me, and it's no offense to Jamie Lee, but Germany is the first thing that happened at that Eurovision. If you close your eyes and listen to the song, it's all right. But yeah, the but... second you open your eyes and look at the performance, think, oh. "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah, pretty much. What is going on? Yeah. I have another one though, and it's it's kind of a sad one. It's the worst b- thing that happened at Eurovision 2016 was the EBU forbidding Romania to participate. Yeah, and that and for those of you who who don't necessarily know, Romania has sort of racked up a debt of over 150 million euro, and over the past sort of 10 years of their participation in the in the contest and. The EBU had sort of set like uh, deadlines in order to sort of pay their money back, and Romania was still uh, missing these targets. So if they didn't 
make any sort of payment towards the repayment of these debts by I think it was like the 20th of April or something like that they would automatically be disqualified and they'd have to withdraw because they would lose their sort of membership with the EU and lo and behold that's exactly what happened so I think that is a kind of it's a sad thing and then for me that probably would be another one of the worst things that happened because you know it's it's all fun and games, etc. But when you're literally barred from taking part just because your broadcaster isn't paying the bill, I think it was it was very unfair to a video Anton. So I do hope he does come back at some point in the future, because you know he deserves his right to finally like come back and represent his country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean if Russia can do it um, with Julia, then Romania can do it. Exactly. TBR, where you at? <laughs> Uh, now we're going to finish off with a game. Uh, it's guess the song. Basically, what I'm going to do is read out some lyrics from a song, and y'all have got to guess what song. It's very oh. simple, straightforward. Okay. Um, I say that maybe some of the songs are a bit difficult. I don't know. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Um, do you want to start us off, Rory? Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Sure. Right. Won't ever give up because you're still somewhere out there. Nothing or no one's going to keep us apart. Uh, it is Sergei Lazarev. You are the only one. Yes, yes, yeah. it is. That's one point, Tarori. Okay. Alex, this one's for you. Yeah. Don't ask me why the sun is shining. Long after the day is done, the evening falls, the bright lights bring out the best in me I see. Oh, I've got it. I've got the tune in my head, but. Do you think I can get the name of the song? Absolutely not. Uh, can you say it again, please? Don't ask me why the sun is shining long after the day is done. The evening falls, the bright lights bring out the best in me I see. I'm going to have to pass. Ooh, it is uh, What's the Pressure by Laura Tesoro of uh, Belgium. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course it is. It is. Oh, Alex. The funk. You need to think of the funk. You need to think of the funk. What the funk? <laughs> yeah, what the funk? Uh, this one's for you, Rory. Okay. I'd run a thousand miles, wouldn't stop until I dropped, wouldn't take a break to breathe until I got close enough. Oh. Oh, um. Oh. I can, I can see him. I can't remember his name. Um. Oh, oh, I got it. It's um, Franz, if I were sorry. Yes, it is. Even though I wish he was sorry because that was not a good song. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he were sorry. Mm. Okay, now Rory has won the game. But... I know. I, it's all over, isn't it? <laughs> it's all over, but this is for some I want a out. consolation. A Come consolation on. point. A consolation prize, Robin Benson, Melody Festival in 2016. There you go. Long distance, USA. Last night I heard him say, He's been away too long, now he's coming home. Beyond the morning plane, if I still feel the same, I should be waiting because he'd be all alone. I haven't a bloody clue. What? <laughs> I've never heard those lyrics before. Y- yes, you have. Is it twenty is it a song from twenty sixteen? No. Is it Terminal Three? Yes. <laughs> Like Terminal Three, 
Lights on okay. time. <laughs> I, I, will, I will give you a little nugget of information. and Because I, I keep seeing everyone talk about Terminal 3 on Twitter. I have never heard the song. <gasps> for shame, Alex. For shame. <laughs> I just want to say that now. Because... Um, I've I've ne I have never listened to Terminal Three. I've never How did watched you get the lyrics because it's like you said something about America. So mm -hmm. I thought I know, that's the only song I know in ever in Eurovision history that's apart from Scooch that's about airplanes. Hmm. Okay. And we'd rather Fair forget point. about Scooch if we can. Yeah, I, I really try every day to. Just no, I, their people just won't allow it to happen. At <laughs> night, when I fall asleep, I'm woken of a nightmare when I realise, oh my god, we sent them. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, why not rate and review the podcast and follow us on social media at WT Where can we find you on social media, Alex and Rory? I'm Mr. Alex Ward on all socials. Uh, and I'm at Rory Gannon on Twitter and at Rory.G on Instagram. And of course, if uh, I do run my own podcast as well, so if you want to follow me over there, we talk about pretty much the same things as as we do on this podcast. So uh, just follow us at at that Euro Podcast for more. Perfect. And I'm at Bradley G Booth on all forms of social media. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, my name is Dale Freire, and I just wanted to say thank, thank you for listening. Thank you.